Thanks, listeners, for tuning into the GCMC podcast, where we look to get off-the-record thoughts and perspectives from individuals who have been hiring managers and in hiring positions in their careers. Today is September 11th, 2018, and I'm very happy to have um, in front of us uh, Pat Headley, who um, is uh, previously a managing director with General Atlantic, which is a global uh, growth equity firm. She has also counseled CEOs, entrepreneurs, and management teams on strategy and growth. Pat achieved her MBA uh, from Harvard Business School as well as her undergraduate degree in computer science from Dartmouth. And we were very fortunate this past summer for our full-time MBA orientation to have Pat speak with um, the entering class of 2020, which was terrific. So Pat, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. I'm excited to be here. Likewise. Um, So uh, Pat, you recently wrote a book um, called meet 100 people so certainly about networking um i feel like the message of networking gets thrown down especially with students but just in general professionals sort of throats about like what it is and we've got to do it um but one of the messages that really resounded for me from um, hearing you speak and reading a little bit of your book um were a little bit more around making genuine connections and I think also um, having people, before they start networking, understand who they are themselves and making those steps. So I just, those were two things that really resounded. And I know that we're going to talk a lot about this, but I just feel like because sometimes people, including myself, we, we've got difficulties networking successfully because we haven't necessarily explored those things. And so I, um, I, I wanted sort of um, to start off to see like what got you um, invested in the idea of people meeting people? Sure. Um, uh, look, uh, as you get farther along in your career, you actually recognize how important relationships are mm-hmm. and how important other people have been along your own path. Um, both in terms of helping advise you and inspire you and open up great opportunities for you. Um, I was inspired to write Meet 100 People because it is advice I would have liked to have had when I was first starting out. Um, These are lessons that I learned along the way in an over 30-year career, um, in some ways the hard way, Hmm. Um, by really honing some of these skills and observing people who do this, and by this I mean networking, although it is it sometimes has a negative connotation and it shouldn't. So let's call it building relationships. Yeah. I have observed others who have done an excellent job of building these relationships over time, and I've seen the benefits that have accrued. Um, so that was one reason. The other is because... I have three adult children who are now gainfully employed, and I saw the experience they went through and the experience that their friends went through in today's world of trying to find a job. And what I learned in their experience was that if you reframe the job search to one of meeting people, it reduces the tremendous pressure that people feel, and it can make it a journey of exploration and discovery as opposed to one of stress to finding a job. And in that process of journeying and discovering, you learn a whole lot about yourself and what others are doing, and very interestingly, opportunities arise. They come to you in the process of meeting people and extending your 
contacts and your network of relationships. And we'll talk more about what I mean about that. Um, and to be honest, the other motivation for me was that after a 30-year career with one firm, which is quite rare nowadays, mm. um, I had to reinvent myself. And the way I did that, even though I had a wonderful and successful career, was by meeting new people. And so I went through this process too. And while my book and my message is very relevant for young people who are just going through this process, it has resonated with people of all ages because the message is so real and important today that in-person, face-to-face meetings really matter. And that while technology is wonderful, and I'm a big advocate, and I, um, I'm a student of blood. computer science, <laughs> yeah. um, there is no replacing a face-to-face meeting and a human-to-human interaction. And so while we're so digitally well-connected today, we've a little bit lost sight of the value of relationship building. And I wanted to encourage us all to think about it in a different way and to pursue it in a way that is joyful and life-affirming. And one of the things you said, too, is about opportunities coming through these relationships, right? And I think that sometimes the idea is... I'm doing this for the opportunities alone and it's ultimately like the opportunities in fact are a halo effect or they could come outside of really what this is about is actually building meaningful relationships. That's exactly right. right. And and so part of the message and this is the hardest piece in some ways yeah. is you have to trust the process because magic happens mm. and And you only see that if you start the process of going through it. And I say that this is true because I've seen it in so many ways across, you know, the many years of my career and even recently. But I will tell you, talk to any experienced person and they will say that magic does happen in the process of meeting people in ways you cannot predict. And that's the fun of it. Totally. And that could be also that nothing happens outside of a relationship, which is actually great. Right. And and, and which is a relationship, too, that may be valuable today or six months from now or six years from now. Sure. Or 30 years from now. And so what you're doing when you're meeting new people is you're planting seeds. Mm -hmm. Seeds that if you water them will germinate into something more. And, and it really is this process of thinking about it very differently than just in a transactional way right. that gives you the benefits that you're eventually going to accrue. Right. And sometimes that may not happen because the relationship itself, I think at least, the relationship itself is the benefit. Right. Right. It is the Nothing's benefit. happened from it. I never got a referral. I never referred somebody with somebody, but the relationship that I've built right. with somebody itself. I have joy from that. Joy from I have that. Yeah, learned exactly. from that. I have been inspired from that. One of the things that I so mm. encourage entrepreneurs to consider and to do is to really think about who are their advisors? Who are the people around them that inspire them? Who are the people that when they go and have coffee for a half hour, they leave with new you know, vigor in their step and greater motivation in their heart to do whatever it is that their passion is. Mm -hmm. Finding those people is a process and finding those people is incredibly valuable to future success. 
And that's that may not necessarily lead to a job, but it leads right. to inspiration and additional motivation. And just think about, I think, in just sort of the process of life, whether it's a job search or you're a student or, or, you're, or you're reframing who you are, inspiration can be can mean so much. It can change your life. It can change your life. Totally. Right. So when we talk about, or when you talk about meaningful relationships, um, what does that mean to you? How do you frame that? How can people achieve that? Sure. Building relationship is much more than just this notion of networking. Mm -hmm. Building a relationship is meeting someone and establishing some kind of a connection. The idea is to build a bridge, some Mm -hmm. commonality where you have a shared interest, something that is important to both of you. And it is very mutual. Sometimes it starts with you seeking information from someone else who is much more knowledgeable. But believe it or not, there is real sharing in that as well. The bridge can be many things, and it's different at the beginning than what it ultimately might end up being. My bridge to you was a shared contact. Right. So that created a connection and a reason for us to get together and talk. And then there was mutual interest here. I wanted to share my message, and you were receptive and open to my message for your community because you saw value there. So it became a relationship that was wonderful and mutually beneficial for both of us. Right. And that's a very simple example, but there's so many others where it's either a mutual connection a shared interest that somebody has. I met a young woman uh, yesterday, first time, and the first thing she told me about was that she was running the world's major marathons. So I could tell she was an athlete and she was interested. She was just heading to Berlin. And we talked about that. I found it fascinating. I wanted to understand more about why that was of interest to her. I happen to be a bicycler. I love bicycling, and I am heading off on a bicycle trip. Really? So we shared that information uh, with one another. And she said that as she gets to be older, she might consider bicycling because running might be harder on her body over time once she continues to, to age. And so we started the conversation with this. Right. And it actually made us feel more comfortable with one another. It gave us a topic, in fact, to follow up on after our conversation, regardless of what the rest of the conversation was. It just so happened that the rest of our conversation was just as rich. She was in an area that I had been in. She was earlier in her career, and so she sought advice from someone like me who was a little bit later in their career. I had interesting companies that I was willing to introduce to her, and she found that to be valuable. So it was a wonderful connection that we had, but we started by getting to know one another a little bit better at first with a topic that was of interest to both of us, even though it wasn't exactly the same. I'm not a marathon runner. She's not yet a bicyclist. But nonetheless, it brought us together. It was a little bit of the kind of human handshake that one has to be able to bridge and establish some kind of a connection. And that didn't have to come through LinkedIn. No. That didn't have to come through a formal email even or no. something like that. No, it's it was, just organic. It's organic. And it's also this willingness to share something about yourself mm. that may not necessarily be business related. She told me about her passion. It just happened to be running a marathon and the timing was right because she's headed off to do that right now. She shared that. And that's that's perfectly fine. Someone else may share something like that. Or you may seek out something like that by saying, how was your summer? Did you do anything interesting and exciting? And that may seem like small talk, but it really isn't if you 
have genuine interest, and if you're willing to share something that is a little bit more meaningful to you. Right. So and that's part of the relationship building. That is, you know, that is part of how you find connection with someone on a topic, whatever that topic is. Film producing, a TV show that you right. happen to like, restaurants, a book that you read. I mean, I personally am a big reader. I read books all the time. <laughs> I'm very excited about books that I read, and I tell people about them. I say, this is a recent book that I read, and I encourage you to read it if I think the person might have an interest. Right. And so I'm willing to do that. I put myself out there by doing that. Some people find it interesting, others might not. But in many instances, it causes it creates more of a bridge. Yep, absolutely. And so how so I think one of the important things here that you had mentioned or that resonates specifically is actually sharing something about yourself that's not necessarily business related right. and not right. necessarily that it's about the exchange of goods and services, whatever it might be, but actually just sort of like the business of networking. Just sharing something about yourself. Just sharing. Taking down that wall. Taking right? down that wall. And when you meet someone new, say at a conference, because those are the most fear-inducing events right. for some people, <laughs> including yeah. myself when I was first starting out. Right. There are lots of people. You don't realize that they all feel like you do. And right. as soon as you realize that, it, it feels a little bit better. But how do you approach someone? How do you say something to the person sitting next to you where you can create that bridge? Mm -hmm. And I find that the simplest question is, tell me about yourself. Yeah. Or have you been to this conference before? What excites you about it? Or, you know, what are you looking forward to? What you have, have you heard so far? Interest, curiosity, you know, ex trying to extend that conversation to something that you can really talk about makes a big difference. Right. And... By golly, I did go to a conference this weekend, in fact. I went to a conference called Mogul X, um, which is mm. had 600 women attend. On Mogul is the largest millennial platform for women in the world. Never heard of it. Yes, see that? Huh. It's called On Mogul, onmogul.com. And I went to this event, and I met several, and I was probably one of the older people at this conference, but I met several young women. And, it, and people are open to meeting others at these events. Right. And it's only intimidating because there are lots of them. Right. But all you have to do is talk to one or two, the person sitting next to you. And feel free to sit down and say, hi, you know, I'm Pat. This is what I do. Tell me about yourself. Yeah. It's as easy as that. And more than likely, it works. Right. Right? 100%. Sometimes someone says, I was just leaving <laughs> and that's okay. And you just don't worry about it. Right. The other is that you, you know, you get that experience. Right. And now how about also even building those relationships that you've established? Right. So once you've met someone, it's wonderful. Like this young woman I met who was the right. marathoner, right? right? The most important thing in my mind is what you do after the meeting mm -hmm. and how you follow up. And I have a, kind of a, a, a personal um, goal to respond after such meetings in two ways. First... I send a note saying it was lovely meeting you and it truly was with this young woman and a couple of follow-up items that she can respond to. Mm -hmm. So she knows that I want to continue the conversation and I offered to introduce her to people if she had an interest and I wished her good luck on her marathon and I don't expect her to respond right away because I know she was going to travel. So the first thing is get back in touch with that person and continue the conversation. Do, you know, what you need to do for that next step. And suggest perhaps, you know, I'd love to hear about uh, your adventures and share mine once you get back. So let's get together in October or November. So it's a little bit farther out to continue. 
The other and a very important thing, and not a lot of people do this, and yet I think it's so beautiful when people do. So I was introduced by this to this woman by somebody else. And it took me a while, it took us both a while to get this meeting on our calendars. I wrote a note to the person who introduced us, mm. and I said thank you. I said, thank you for the introduction. I finally met with this person. We had a lovely conversation. I really appreciate that you thought of me. It is wonderful to receive an email like that. I've gotten a few. And it is incumbent upon people to say thank you for gifts that they've been given when they've been given an introduction. Those two simple emails took me all of three minutes. Sure. Truly did not take me a whole lot of time. More than three minutes. But they will have, this is the water that I put on the initial seed. And this is continuing my relationship with the person who made the introduction. Because every time I ping back to her and continue the conversation, that relationship strengthens. So these follow-up emails are so critical. And so many people just, for whatever reason, don't make it a priority. Mm-hmm. I think it's not a question of time. It's only only a question of making it a priority. If you have the meeting, at the end of the day, go back over your calendar and write two or three emails to follow up with the people you've met with. Yeah. Critically, critically important. And it's got to come from a place that's genuine as well. Yes. Not just, hey, I'm just checking a box to follow up with the person no, exactly. who followed up with me. Right. But genuinely, I just want to say thanks. Genuinely, let's get together because I'd like to. Absolutely. And and that is probably one of the single most important things about relationship building. If it's not authentic or genuine, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Yeah. It has to come from the heart. And therefore, you have to approach the whole process as one that is authentic and genuine. Right. And you might have to get into that space mm-hmm. to make it that way for yourself. And that's why when I start the book and I really thought about where does anyone start in the whole expanding their network and building relationship process, yeah. I say you have to start with you. Right. You actually have to look in the mirror, both mm-hmm. literally and metaphorically. And and that's one of those things our society doesn't encourage us to do enough. No. We are so busy running around and we're so we spend so much time checking our texts and our emails. But how often do we put our phone aside and for ten minutes just check in with ourselves? Yeah, what does that mean for you? I'm curious. Like to check in with me, I actually try to do it twice a day, checking mm-hmm. in. And a more formal what am I doing in my life? I do most often on plane rides, believe it or not, because they are wonderful, uninterrupted times for me to kind of think about what I want to achieve in my life and what's important to me. So the bigger one, the one that takes a little bit more time than five or ten minutes, I do when I have completely uninterrupted time. Right. So travel is actually good for me to do that. But I do check in with myself. I like to check in, you know, the morning of what am I going to do today? What's important to me today? How am I going to make sure that I put forth my best self? Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, I try to take a couple of minutes and do my follow-up emails and say, okay, so how did that go? Yeah. And then do a look forward. What am I what am I thinking about for the next day? Okay. And it's a personal discipline. It took me a long time to do it. I must admit, I did not do this in my younger years in the yeah. same way. But I do think it's it's almost like a recentering. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like if you could send yourself a text message and read it, and it would say, hey, Pat, how are you doing? Yeah. You almost have to do that 
for yourself. And so that piece has to start any process. And especially if you're going to put yourself out there and decide to meet people proactively. Yeah, I, I completely love that entire idea of just sort of a recalibration two mm-hmm. times a day. Right. Yeah. So at the beginning, here's what I'm going to be doing. And then even at the end, some people will even talk about, okay, the things I achieved today, did they were they in line with what I really wanted to achieve in life, big right. picture, right. or were they very much more just sort of tactical transaction, transaction, right. that's it, and how much of that could have been even just sort of stuff that I get boggled down and distracted with that I maybe need to be taking off my plate. Right. Right. I mean, that's, that's doing... even a more sophisticated version and one that's so important to really calibrate your own priorities yeah your priorities every day every day and and am i am i being my best self Mm -hmm. is this something that truly is important to me and if i've come across obstacles and all of us do at some point in time what did i learn from it yeah how might i do it differently i mean again failure and risk are so you know in our society people don't think of it necessarily in a positive light and yet I strongly believe, and I've read so many others who've, you know, confirmed this, there's no such thing as failure. Yeah. It really is about learning. So what did I learn from that experience? And if you think of it that way, it reduces a whole lot of pressure. Completely. Right? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's reduces the pressure and it makes it, I think, much more adventurous and exciting. Yeah. Too? Yeah. So to go back to what you talked about, right? So one of your first chapters in your book, which... I thought was really interesting was this self-reflection part, right? right. So, um, so really the process starts with you. So what are some of the, the things outside of self-reflection twice a day? What else, how can people recalibrate or figure out, listen, this is where I am. And so therefore when I'm building relationships, I have to come from a place of where I am. That's right. You do, you really have to think, okay, if I'm going to be proactive about Mm -hmm. meeting new people and I'm going to make this part of my life, why am I doing it? Uh What do I hope to get out of it? And Mm. how am I going to add to the process so that it really is beneficial? It's almost very similar to embarking on an exercise program, right? right? If you start to exercise, you have to think about Okay, what what am I what are my goals? Mm-hmm. What am I hoping to do for myself and for my body? Am I doing this to lose weight, to get fit, to actually add to my network, be with other people who are doing something similar to me? I mean, there are many reasons one embarks on some kind of an exercise program, and I think there are many reasons one embarks on a call it relationship building program. Yeah. If you are looking for a job, then you may have different goals than if you've just started your job mm-hmm. or if you've been in your job for many years. And I would strongly urge people not to only focus on networking when they're looking for jobs. Yeah, In fact, Absolutely. one of the best times, in addition to this like exploratory process of when you are looking you know, for new opportunities, but one of the best times to, to really expand your network is when you first start a job. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you the three categories of people that one should really look at when you're first starting your job. The first thing is meet people at your firm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's open to meeting the new person. And so this is also at the beginning of your career or any time. Any time. Right. Any time right. you embark on something new. Something new. Meet people internally yeah. so that you know 
what they're doing and they're willing to engage with you Mm -hmm. because you want to learn what they're doing you want to know how all the pieces all the people within an organization contribute to the whole you don't ever want to be in a siloed position so the best and you know most optimal time is when you're first starting out to figure that out and then to continue to build that over time so meet people within your organization secondly meet people like you in other organizations. Mm. People forget to do this, but there's so much value in finding others who are in other firms doing similar things to you. There is incredible sharing that can happen, and people are willing to share. People are willing to get together for coffee, and look, if a group exists, join it. If it doesn't, create it. Say, let's get together. One of my dearest and oldest friends is someone I met when I first joined a young venture capital group when I first got out of uh, school in my, my career. And there are still a couple of people I remember distinctly from that, and I still keep in touch. And that was well over 30 years ago. People similar to me in other organizations. And I happened to be in a small company when I first started out. And so finding these other like-minded people was very valuable to be able to develop my own career and, and, and skills that I needed to have. So that's step two, people who are similar to yourselves in other places. And then the third, and this is the interesting one, find other people who are very dissimilar to you hmm. because they can create interesting ideas and inspire you in ways that you can't expect and this is the piece that a lot of people don't necessarily get to do but they can because guess what their friends are in jobs that are very dissimilar to theirs potentially they meet other people along the way somebody sitting next to you you know on an airplane Mm -hmm. as an example but or neighbors and friends who are doing dissimilar things ask them about it Mm-hmm. What's so cool about what you do? You know, would you you know would you do this again if you had to start your career again? Tell me about how you handle it within your organization. Right. I actually think that there's a whole lot of value to thinking about things differently. Completely, and just sort of and and getting other people's perspective that you thought was wrong, right. but maybe has some value to it. Right. I right. think that's a that's a really great point. You you can't connect the dots on life if you don't find the dots. Right. And you have to kind of look outside of your own sphere of, you know, knowledge to be able to see what else there is there. Yeah. And that can be inspirational. I talked to one young entrepreneur who said she was inspired by a nature show that she saw about the ecosystem in the rainforest and she drew parallels to what was happening in the rainforest to the way in which her business was developing Hmm. and I found it to be fascinating for her to have taken inspiration from something so far afield from the day-to-day business of what she was doing and applying it to that and I think having that kind of thinking or forcing yourself into that kind of thinking is really valuable yeah absolutely I mean it's I think partially Maybe for her, making some sort of sense in a world that's probably very chaotic around her, right. even though a rainforest seems very chaotic. Right. So I don't know how she was able to find that, which is terrific. Well, she was thinking about how trees grew, which trees grew tall and which were the underbrush and how you manage that. Oh. And she was thinking about people within her organization, how you need both people who are supportive to it and people who are leaders. And that's one of the parallels she 
true. And I thought that's, that's tremendous. absolutely that's fascinating. Wonderful. Right? Yeah, that's and, really beautiful. And there's another interesting metaphor that I came across just last week. Mm-hmm. Um, before all the rains that we're experiencing now, it right. was very dry. And I have flowers in a flower pot outside. And I went to water them. And I accidentally poured too much water on it too quickly and the water trickled off to the side and Mm -hmm. I learned that in order to have a very dry flower pot absorb the water you have to draw put a little on it and then a little more and then it absorbs right we are like the flower pot and we have to keep our soil moist by exposing us to new opportunities because otherwise it'll be hard to take in new opportunities. Right. And you don't want to ever get to your to the position where you feel dried out in essence and then new information comes along and you can't absorb it. Yeah. So to keep yourself fresh and interesting, you have to expose yourself to new things. You have to water in essence your own garden yep. regularly to be able to learn and grow. Love that. That's a that I think that's absolutely tremendous um for that part. Um I you know one of the things um that came when you came to speak I remember um, a student had talked about he's doing a career change and um, and he felt that that meant that all of the contacts he had made in his life or at least in his professional life um, were no longer going to be helpful to him because now he's embarking on this 180 degree or 90 degree shift to the left or or behind Um, what do you think about that I think that is short-sighted, Okay. <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest, because right. just because you're making a change doesn't necessarily mean that people who've been in whatever role you've been in the past cannot be helpful. And let's just give an example, and this is something that, um, that I had heard of many years ago. A woman who was a teacher in a grade school decided to go through a completely different career change, and yet it was through one of the parents of her students that allowed her the opportunity to do it. Right, And she went into executive search. So mm. something not that far afield, but actually quite different from being in a school and in a classroom. Right. You know, if she would have assumed that this ecosystem that she was in didn't have potential opportunities for her, she might not have been open to that. But people know other people. Teachers know other, te- know other people in other professions who could recommend things to you. There are so many ways that people who are already in your network, in your sphere of influence, mm-hmm. ha- may have connections to others that can be useful. The challenge is to ask for that. Yeah. The challenge is to share. Because when you share, then they can say, oh, guess what? I know someone in search, in executive search. I can connect you. Right. But unless you share, unless you say, this is the this is the change I want to make. If you know the change, it's easier to do that. If you're still just, you know, 180 degrees, you're saying I want to make something, you know, I want to go someplace different, but I don't know where that is, then it's a little bit more challenging. Absolutely. But your old contacts can be just as valuable to you, especially if you've had genuine relationships. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's the given part. If you don't have such deep relationships, then it might not be as fruitful. But I very firmly believe that as you're journeying through life, there will be people who will stay with you for a while. Some people come in and out of your life. But it's up to you to inform those individuals so that they can be helpful to you. I think that information process too, right, of not only being open to helping others, but then having the courage to ask for help, whether it's a new thing or it's 
whatever you're in, but being able to confidently, confidently communicate to people, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. I need your help. Right. And this is how I need your help. If you have, if you're able to do so and giving people the opportunity to become heroes for you is also giving some, some great power to others. It uh, is. And and reestablishing some great connections and making deeper relationships too. I find that. I I think that's very true. And some people think that it's a weakness to ask for help. And I would argue strongly it is a strength. Yeah. It is a strength to say, I need support and I need help. And I'd like to ask you to give me a hand on it. Yeah. You have to be strong to do that. So, you know, it's a different mindset in terms of how you think of it. But I can I think of countless stories of, you know, parents on the sidelines of a soccer game exchanging ideas and jobs resulting from conversations like totally. that. It happens. It yeah. happens all the time. Young yeah. people may not believe it. It happens all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. So have those conversations. Yeah. Talk to people. If you're at a soccer game, ask what people do. You know, I, I talked to another um, uh group of young students and and they actually shared some of their stories and one young man said that he was actually on a soccer team Mm -hmm. he was interested in computer science he wanted to get an internship in in a technology firm and he had never thought to ask his some of his fellow players even people he was close to what they did right and one day he did and the guy was in a profession exactly the same as what this young man wanted to pursue and once they made the connection all of a sudden they took their relationship to a different level and they were able to help one another. That's terrific. Absolutely. But just saying, what do you do? Yeah. Tell me about yourself. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm kind of curious, actually, on a side note, on Mogul, the conference. Yes. Why did you go? What did you get out of it? Tell me more about it. I'm curious. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, I went because I'm an investor in this company. Okay, okay. So that's that's the honest and direct (laughs) truth. I was invited by the young woman who's a CEO and founder. I was introduced to her by somebody who I happened to be introduced to, and I said that I especially love working with female entrepreneurs, and he said, you must meet Tiffany Pham. And I did. I met her, and I was so impressed by her, and in particular her story, Mm -hmm. that I knew that I had to get involved in some way. And we met again, and she was raising a a round of financing. There was still a little bit of room left, and I said, I want to back you. And so we've had several conversations since then, and she told me she was running this conference, Mogul X, and it was the same time she was debuting her book, You Are a Mogul, which I highly recommend, and I am reading it, (laughs) and I really enjoy it because it's incredibly inspirational. And one of the threads in her story is so in line with exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. It's all about relationship building and actually making friends mm-hmm. and being genuine and authentic about it. And she describes the many wonderful ways in which she's been able to take these friendships and make them even deeper by pursuing opportunities of mutual interest. Right. Right. So and so that's why I was there, I and uh, and this conference had 600 women from all over attending. That's fantastic. And it was almost like a um, a classroom setting on topics of interest, networking being a very top topic. A big one, I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure, as well yeah. as just even just meeting each other and making connections. Meeting each right? other, making connections. Yeah. And it was wonderful to hear some of these women at lunch. I sat down at a table. I knew nobody. Um, and they were saying... You know, I'm kind of shy. This is my first conference. 
and they all felt the same way and yet they were able to share and it was really great to hear that they took that risk mm -hmm. to do something a little bit out of their comfort zone to keep their soil moist so that when they got information, yeah. they were able to grow from that. Absolutely. Back to my metaphor. Right. And they were there doing it. And it was, I, I'm very inspired. I mean, I, I think that, you know, on Mogul for young millennial women, check it out. Definitely worth terrific. taking a look I think at we'll, it. We'll probably include a link on it as well. Yeah. Um, just to sort of, one other topic I wanted to talk uh, to, um, to discuss Although it can sometimes seem robotic or not genuine, any thoughts? Maybe you don't have any thoughts about it. You know, every time we talk about like being able to put this into some sort of process that people can manage or that it can, yes, people can help manage themselves. Is there one you think has been effective for you, um, or yes. or should it just be organic, or does it matter for the person? Thoughts? It, look, it. I think it is hard to rely on human memory to manage yes. all this. Especially so, uh, well, for sure mine. And, and, you know, the more people you meet, the more complex it becomes. So putting in a system to start is really smart. Yeah. And it can be something as simple as making sure you link into the person. Okay. Because I think that is a good base. All right. I wish LinkedIn had the ability to add notes or something else. That it, it is missing that. And if we had that, it would be even better. So you have to solve for that. And the way you solve for that, or the way I solve for it, which is helpful to me, is I do keep a spreadsheet. Yep. And I categorize people into certain um, you know certain areas that they're helpful so there are some people that I call connectors mm -hmm. these are people who know everyone I love knowing those people <laughs> I hope I'm a connector to some other people I'm as sure well. I'm sure you are. so those are people that are very important to have as part of your network you need a couple of those that will help get you to other people as you need to continue to expand your network there are people who are your advisors, mm -hmm. people who you really go to when you seek information or advice or counsel. There's probably a small number of people who are your close advisors, and maybe it's early and you're just developing them. Maybe it just consists of a professor or two or your parent at the start, but that will expand over time. And think about who can become those really valued, trusted advisors for you. Yeah. Then you go to people who have real expertise. And, and, and you should note that expertise. You may go to them for a longer period of time, depending on what their expertise is. Or you may go in and just have a shorter you know, um, relationship at a point in time that you may revisit over time. So those are experts that you continue to know over time. And then there is another, you know, longer list of people who you've had a relationship with and you want to stay in touch. And it can be, you have to, you know, think of what is the right cadence for mm -hmm. that. One trick that I found that works well is if you meet somebody, just put it on your calendar six months from now. Put their name on your calendar at a time and with TBD as a reminder, a tickler, that you should check back in with that person. Yeah. And then keep track of all these people because when something cool happens to you, share it. Yeah. When something interesting happens, do that. And, you know, the other kind of trick and hack that I learned is this idea of getting more people together as part of your idea of networking. A young woman, I learned this from somebody else, she said, I, ha I meet so many people, it's part of what I do for my job, I have breakfasts. Yeah. I invite different people to have breakfast with me and they get to meet new people. 
And so she's giving a gift in a more formalized way. That's a terrific create. She's creating. Something. She is very. She's creating, and there's no reason anyone can't do that with whoever their cohort is. Yeah. Right. I I was talking with a young woman. She got a promotion. She's head engineer for a startup. There is nobody to look to. She has been given this role, and I said, you know, you need to go out and find other people who are a little bit ahead of you on this road. And learn from them, yeah. and then find others who are head engineers and get together with them once a month. And she had two of these meetings. She proactively went out and had two, and came back and said they were the most valuable meetings I've ever had. Yeah. I was able to get more questions that were pressing to me answered during that one-hour session than I could have gotten any other way. Yeah. So create that for yourself. Find ways to get into groups of similarly minded people. And then keep track of it. Do keep track of it. There's nothing transactional or negative about being systematic about keeping track of who you've met. Of course. And 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 how often you want to touch base with them, and where you've left it. What the mm-hmm. follow up is. Right. Pat, do you want to talk about your book a little bit? I, uh, although I feel like maybe we've covered <laughs> it all. I'm not too sure. I, I will say that. Um, I meant my book to be a very tactical how-to guide. I meant it to inspire, but it's not just meant to inspire. It's actually meant to give really specific, how do you do this? What do you need to do? And, you know, it's a little bit more detailed than this, but it's all everything from the preparation, how you think about yourself, how you get yourself ready for these meetings, to the connection, how do you establish the connection with the person that you're with, yep. to the follow-up. The follow-up is so important, and how do you think about that going yeah. forward? And then I throw in, you know, um, just important tidbits that I've learned over time. For example, really be thoughtful about what you're asking for, mm. and don't be afraid to ask. Right. Make the ask, right? If you're meeting someone for an informational meeting, which is perfectly fine, and they don't have a job, but you happen to love their company, it is perfectly fine and appropriate to say, I have loved everything that I've heard. If there were an opportunity, I would love to work for this company. Please let me know if you hear of anything, or please keep me in mind for others who might be hiring. Totally totally fair game to do that yeah you didn't ask for a job but you showed your interest that if there was one you didn't put the person on the spot but you you indicated interest Mm -hmm. and i totally love the young man at the baruch session that we had who said and this was something he had um shared with the group that when his father was looking for a job at law firms he applied and the response from this particular law firm that he wanted to work at the most was the time is not right <laughs> now and the young aspiring lawyer a month later said is it right now right and they said not yet and he persisted i don't know how many times the young man said he persisted until the time was right and he got the job yeah don't be afraid to see if the time is right now and don't be afraid to persist which requires you to follow up, et cetera. Right. I, I do love that. I, I you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna add my thoughts too, which I, I really uh, you know, one thing at the GCMC we talk about a lot is is intentionality and where you're coming from. And I did really appreciate in your message and the part about the book too is it's gotta come from where you are, um, and it's gotta be genuine about where you are, 
where what sort of why are you doing this for you not for everybody else and has to come from that and then it'll be really successful there's no I don't think there's just sort of like one cookie cutter shirt or way to do this no Um, there but it's gotta be something that comes and works for each individual person just that they actually do it right Um, and and look while some people may not believe this networking in some ways equalizes people because even if you know your parents happen to know people that doesn't mean you're going to be proactive and reach out and get Mm -hmm. benefit from that and even if you don't have any connections from your family and friends that should not hold you back from doing this yeah from reaching out to people ideally with some common connection or warm referral but even short of that, reaching out and asking for time. Yeah. There's no downside to this. There is none. And everyone has to do it for him or herself. You can't have someone else do this for you. Yeah. It really is very much on each and every one of us to build this network and to create this value for ourselves. Yeah. So regardless of where you're starting from this is possible and doable and actually wonderfully valuable completely pat thank you so much for being on the gcmc podcast this has been terrific i'm glad we were able to delve into some really specific points here and we are so grateful for everything that you've done at baruch this year and we look forward to continuing the relationship with you um and that's that's it Thanks, listeners, for tuning into the GCMC podcast, where we look to get off-the-record thoughts and perspectives from individuals who have been hiring managers and in hiring positions in their careers. The GCMC is here for Zicklin MBA and MS students and alumni for their careers wherever they are, so be sure to stay in touch with us.